In a world where it seems like there's so much going wrong, I want you to see the people who are spending their lives doing and seeing the good. Welcome to the Doing Good Podcast, where we discuss the stories of people who are changing the world in their own way. I'm your host, Carmen Herbert. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Doing Good. Today on the podcast, I am so happy to welcome Becky Graff. Becky is from Salt Lake City, Utah, where she lives with her husband, Tim. She's the mother of three girls and has one granddaughter. She's an author, speaker, certified mind model method coach, and digital marketing mentor. She helps entrepreneurs learn skills, grow and scale their businesses, and discover effective behaviors that transform their life. Becky, thank you so much for coming on Doing Good. Thank you for having me, Carmen. I appreciate being here. So let's just start from the very beginning, which is a very good place to start. Tell me where you grew up, a little bit about Becky as a child. Were you always sort of business-minded? Were you always starting new things, selling lemonade on the corner? What were you like as a kid? I grew up in Utah in Salt Lake Valley. And honestly, I my first entrepreneurial venture was selling geodes to the neighbors down the street. There was a hill behind my house. I'd go and like fine rocks and stuff. And then I thought it was really cool. I'd take him around and be like, look, do you want these pretty rocks for display? And I thought it was doing awesome. I made a ton of cash. And then I got home and my mom's like, you did what? (laughs) She's just like, no, 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 you charged way too much for that. So go back and like make it a little bit more reasonable because they were being a little bit, you know, just out of the kindness of the heart, this cute little redheaded girl just, hey, do you want to buy these pretty rocks? So that was my first entrepreneurial go at life. And that is awesome. (laughs) And then it just kind of just morphed into normal life, right? The the whole thing of going to school, going to work and all of that, got married and didn't actually really step into entrepreneurship again until 2016. Oh, so interesting. Started, right? Yeah. And, um, and yeah, tell me about how, why, why was there a break and how did you get back into it again? Well, it was it was more like the other things I'd like to do, right? I liked computers and like all these different things. I had a really hard time pinning down what it is that I actually wanted to do with my life. And so it was just kind of going through like the normal things, right? You go to school, you do a little bit of college, you meet a guy, you get married, you have a family, that route. And so it just really wasn't on my radar and my my role and things that I wanted to do was to just do that, right? I didn't really have any aspirations for anything else. Had gone through quite a twist and turn in my life. And so there was definitely not as much direction as what kind of evolved later in life. But then when caught the bug, caught it hard. And so I've been able to do that and help a lot of people work through various things and digital marketing and marketing myself. And as you mentioned, my bio, you know, coaching and a book, speaking and those kinds of things. So what would you say, what is the hardest thing about for entrepreneurs about starting a business? Like if someone has this great idea and they're like, you know what, here's a need that I see. I think I could make this better. Like, is it taking that first step? Is it finding people to support him? Like, I feel like so many people like, oh, I could never do that. I could never do that. What is that big hurdle that people are, they just can't get over to actually start? Honestly, from the people that I've worked with, it it, it really comes down to self-belief. And it's interesting because You've got people around you, a support group that believe in you and all the things, right? They can say, oh, you'd be amazing at that. You'd be so great. That's an amazing idea. Yeah. But at the root of it, like the person has to like connect with that. They have to be able to see their own value and that they can provide value in the marketplace. And that is honestly for new entrepreneurs is probably the biggest hurdle because they're transitioning oftentimes from 
like just working a job, right? I got hired, I'm doing this thing. And now I'm wanting to pursue this passion or this other completely like 180 from what I've been doing. Yeah. Just have what it takes to do that. And so a lot of us want self-belief and self-confidence. Do you feel like in order to start a new business, like what if someone's like, hey, I believe in myself. I think that this is a great product or idea or venture that I could pursue, but I just don't have the money. Like I have no money. Is that, should financial, you know, like, should that be something that you think about? Like, well, I I don't have the finances to do that. Or do you feel like that shouldn't be a barrier in starting? Are there ways around that, that you can still start a business, even if you're like, okay, but we're straight broke. And that's why I want to do this in the first place. (laughs) Great question. And and honestly, so many opportunities that you can use to get exposure and to get eyes on what you're doing that don't necessarily require a lot of capital up front. With anything, obviously, you need to budget and you need to kind of look at the numbers because that's the purpose of going into business, right, is to create something that is of need in the marketplace so that you can also get the the financial capital that are the finances that you need to be able to continue doing right to serve more people. But I don't think that not having a large amount of capital is a barrier to entry, especially in the digital space that we're in now. There's a lot of things that you can do. People just need your goodness, your ideas, your perspective and packaged in a way that helps them solve a problem. I love that. And so that leads me to my next question is what how do you find what your passion is? How do entrepreneurs find like, well, how do I know what I can contribute? How do I know what would be a good business idea? Because some things that you think that is literally the stupidest thing, like the <laughs> like this smiley face, like yellow, like scrub brush that was on Shark Tank was like their number one sell. I mean, they've sold millions. It might even be a B now. It might even be to a billion of those dumb. They're not dumb. It's awesome. But a silly little... <laughs> You know, yellow smiley face scrub brush that just happens to fit perfectly into almost any mug or cup and you grab onto the eyes and the the mouth and it's like a perfect way. It's like the perfect texture and you think that was your business idea, like a kitchen brush. So, but look at how successful and amazing it was. So how do you find out, okay, I think I want to do something. I don't like working for someone. I want to be my own boss. I have, I'm business minded, but I just don't even know what is needed out there. And there's, a million scrub brushes and there's a million cookbooks and sourdough start kits and whatever. Like, why would my ideas be beneficial to anyone else? That is a great question. And and it's one of those that I actually get posed a lot. Like, what do I do? Yeah. <laughs> and 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 honestly, it it does take some introspection. Like, what is it that you you're really passionate about? There is that passion piece that the connection is definitely important. But also Keeping in mind that, yes, there's a million and one things out there, maybe that are similar to what your idea is, but you have the innovation, you have a different slant, you have a different perspective, and the way that you can present that is unique, and it has a very specific group of people that it will be a fit for. And so we talked through a lot about with some of the students that I work with, like, you and I could be marketing the same thing, you and I could be selling the same thing, digital project, product, we'll say, yeah. um, you will attract different people than me. Just because of who you are and your like your energy and all the things, the message, the way that you share your message will speak to those that need to hear it in that way. And so again, it's not I, I feel I feel like it's not like a barrier, like, oh, there's a million one scrub brushes. It's like, what is different about yours and what is it that you want people to know about it? How can it improve their lives? And if you can connect with that, then the doors can start to open, right? But it really is connecting with who you are and what you I- 
Yes, I love that idea so much. And of the there, it doesn't matter. We're not trying to sell to everyone's audience. You're just mm-hmm. trying to sell to your audience. That is, that's empowering. That okay, yeah, we do all have people that probably we relate to us more the way we talk or the way we do things. And like, oh yeah, that that that's interesting. I think I'd be interested in that. Where other people, you'd watch a video or hear something, you'd be like, mm, maybe not for me. And it probably mm-hmm. could be the exact same product. It's just the way that it's sold or the way that they're presenting themselves. So I have kind of an interesting question, kind of going off of that and taking a totally different direction. Do you feel like for women, especially right now, I've heard a lot from some of my friends and I felt this way too, that sometimes friendships for women are harder as they get older. I know I'm taking like a completely right turn with this, but it's harder for women as 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 we're you know in our 30s and 40s or whatever to make new friends or or to like I, I for lack of a better term like you know sell ourselves to people like hey do you want to hang out do you want to do stuff it's like we get so caught up in in our career pursuits or callings or with our family and our kids and we're super busy that it's hard to reach outside of ourselves and pursue friendships and what you said just really had me thinking like oh maybe we we don't need to worry about other women that other people are hanging out with like how come I'm not a part of that group and my husband's like would you really want to be doing that like look what they're I'm like no actually I would hate I don't want to do that road trip or you know whatever like no I wouldn't but but I would like to have a group of friends that does something fun together whatever so how can women maybe use this uh, to like pursuing friendships later in life have you found that as you've gotten older Becky that you're like oh yeah your circle of friendships becomes just more precious to you and, and, and reaching out to other women. Is that harder? So what I'm hearing, like the question that I'm hearing is like, how, how do we connect with others when we've had like different changes in our lives? That's how I, I because, because there is different stages, right? There's the stage when you're a young mom and so, or when you're a teenager and you have those relationships and then you kind of do the young adult thing and you have those friendships. And then as you mature and you work through life and you have experiences, then that can change. And a lot of times I think it's how we perceive ourselves and like the things that are truly important to us may not fit with some of those relationships anymore. And so I, I don't know if I'm answering your question, but I think the most important thing is for us to just really, again, introspect and like what is important to us now? Like what what about that? Like your husband asked you, like, do you really want to do that? Well, it sounds fun. It looks fun. But would you really truly be happy there? Or is there something else that you would be rather be doing? And to just really take a look at the things that really matter to you instead of attempting to fit in a box or in a social circle that maybe not be fueling you or filling you with what you need in your cup to be able to do what you're meant to do here on this earth. I love that. And and I, I totally agree. And it is, it's just, I've just noticed, it's just funny that it, it feels like right now, most likely because of social media. And, you know, we're able to see what each other is doing all the time. And so we can see where did from everything from where did you work out today to who did you eat lunch with to who are you going on a date night with this weekend? What concert are you driving to? What what new movie are you seeing with who? And oh, you did a hike with all these people. And it's so easy to feel like, man, everyone is getting together all the time. And, and have these awesome, amazing, fun social lives. And to feel like, and I literally sit in my cart, my voice to 1,000 things. 
after school. And, and that's not, we, I, I have wonderful, amazing friendships that I cherish and adore, but it is easy to look at everyone else and feel like, oh, but look at what they're doing and they're more social than me. And I also have a tendency to go into a hole if life gets stressful or hard or difficult, whether that's me pursuing something in my professional life or, or if my kids are hard or it's gray outside and we haven't seen the sun for weeks, I tend to go into a hole I don't come out. And so it's harder for me to be the one to actively say, hey, let's go to lunch together. Hey, call someone up and, and say, what are you doing? So I don't know. I, I've just noticed that for me, it seems like there's been like this almost movement of, of people and women my age to be like, I don't know, finding themselves again. Like every, every few years, I feel like I'm kind of reevaluating like what you said. What are my priorities? What's important to me? Who do I align with? What friendships build me up and sustain me versus make me feel like I'm not at their level or good enough? And I'm sort of, I feel like I'm in this transition phase right now where I'm like trying to figure that out a little bit. It's, and it's one of those things that, you know, it, it does change, right? It's one of those yeah. things that's is constant. And when we look at social media offerings, it's the highlight reel, right? It's people spend so much time perfecting the photo that goes in with the right filter to make it look like it's this big, huge, you know, amazing thing. Right. Or it's not. Right. When I'm working with entrepreneurs and we're talking about marketing and especially like building brands and things like that, talk a lot about like, what are the things that you're putting on social media and the purpose behind it? And so there is a lot of intentionality for some people that the things that you're being, that you're seeing are very intentional for a reason. It's not necessarily the truth behind what's actually going on. And so there is a little bit of that looking glass, right? You're looking through the looking glass right. and you're seeing one thing, but it may not actually be what's going on. And it's it's very easy as women to judge against that, right? Everybody's yeah. doing everybody's going here and doing that. And how come I'm not? And then start to feel like you're less than in some way. But it doesn't change who we are. It doesn't change what we have to give. And it doesn't change you know, our true worth and our value just because we're not doing all those things that we think are fun. And I think oftentimes that's the dangerous part is looking over the fence and seeing all the cool things, but then not connecting to what's actually happening for us and what's working in our own world as well. For sure. I, that's, a, that's a great perspective. And it is true. And we know that. We know it's, it's not always, you know, reality is, you know, Instagram and Facebook and all that stuff is not always reality, like with it in any way, totally. But, and it is, it is easy to look at that and say, oh, but that was a snippet of their day and just one minute that happened, one little thing that happened. And then, but that's what you think their whole life is that magical and that wonderful all the time. So as a mother, tell me a little bit about pursuing or maybe balancing a career with your husband while having kids. Has that been a challenge for you and and how have your kids adapted as you how how often or how much do you, do you work do you have a schedule that you work and if if you wanted to start a new business are you like hey it's going to take time and sacrifice and effort but how do you get the whole family on board and not of course fall into what we all do which is the mom guilt of okay i'm you know i'm what am i acting like this is more important than my children, but this is important for my children because this can bless our lives. How do you balance that? So again, like thinking back, when I started into entrepreneur entrepreneurship is because I wanted a different life and lifestyle for my family and my kids. Specifically, that we wanted more time together. We wanted quality, right? We wanted that. And so in the beginning, 
it was it was definitely a conversation about, okay, this is what we're doing. This is how come mom's in the office. This is, you know, dad's going to take on different roles and responsibilities. We had a lot of communication. And and honestly, at the beginning, I was really worried about it being like, I've got to be super professional and have to have all these scenes and the kids can't make any noise. And there there is time and place for that. But more and more, I just I really helped them become a part of it because I wanted to raise strong women who had the like be able to see that mom put time and effort into something and what that meant. Right. I wanted them to be able to see kind of that, that evolution. And so in the beginning for me, it was really just kind of having that dialogue and just reminding them. Right. And setting like carrots for them as well. If mom's going to be in the office doing this today and we're not doing, you know, the, the normal things and we have to wait a little bit, then we're definitely going to go and do something fun. Like we'll go for a walk or we'll do another bike ride or something. But really yeah. getting the entire family on, on board with the purpose behind this and what it actually meant. Because they don't understand like mom's building a business, right? They don't understand mom's just on a call. But they can start to understand depending on their ages. Like right. what does that mean for me? That means that, you know, on Saturdays and Sundays and Mondays, like that's that's totally our family time. Like nobody gets to, you know, interrupt that at all. And so that was in the beginning. And then just, you know, again, sitting kind of office hours with with my family and also with my with my colleagues. And that may sound like you said office hours with your family, but it was really again just communicating what needed to happen so that we could have what we wanted. And I can say that I will be forever grateful for that because being a mom and, and juggling young kids and building a business is, it's tough. Okay. It's not impossible, but it is tough. But the rewards that I experienced, I will forever be grateful for because of, you know, life happens and, and things change and you experience things. And at the end of the day, you're left with the memories and the relationships that you have. And so for me personally, it's, it's making sure that it, those are quality every time. Absolutely. Tell me a little bit about the book that you wrote. So the book that I wrote, I'll just rewind just a little bit, okay? So as I said, we started our business. I was so that we could have more time with our girls. And then in 2019, my husband and I became certified as Mind Model Method Coaches. And what that is, is it a, a, thought, a thought modality, basically. It's based in over 32 years, of 35 years, excuse me, of science and behavior research. And we're using it primarily to help entrepreneurs like work through the issues that they needed to personally so that they could then, you know, get the professional results that they needed. And then 2019, as you know, the world started getting a little crazy towards the end. And then in 2020, things like really shut down. For us and our family, that was not really the case because we got to hang out more, right? Girls came home from school. All of a sudden I was running a business and homeschooling and all the things, right? It's like, yeah, we don't have... Easier than ever. And but then in Mother's Day in 2020, we actually suffered a tragedy where myself and my daughters were swept away in a flash flood and my two youngest didn't survive. And so the book that I wrote is actually around that first year of grief and loss and like how it actually shows up like an intimate, very intimate look into what our lives were like taking this life we'd constructed that was going really well, had the business and all the things, right? And then how it really just kind of crumbled down around us and what we were able to do to work through that. It was a, it wasn't something that I ever planned on writing, honestly. Like I, I used writing skills for marketing, but the idea of ever writing a book was like, nah, I don't think so. And after things happened, I started sharing some of our journey on social media. I had a lot of people reading out and asking, are you going to write a book? And my first thought was like, nope, 
<laughs> sure, we're not going to write a book. It's not going to happen. And it wasn't until a year later that I finally listened to my intuition and listened to the promptings and guidance that I'd been given and agreed, right? Agreed, okay, I'll write this. And then from the moment that I decided that I was going to, I had it written and published in three months. And it has wow. been, yeah. And it has been one of the most therapeutic yet hard things I've ever done. And the result of writing the book and the, the message that I've been able to share through that has been very humbling in that something that we've gone through that was so hard in so many ways has been able to be a light and a, a tool and a resource to so many. And so that's where Swept Away came from. And as a story, it's Swept Away, True Story of Grief, grief and Acceptance. And it literally is a day-to-day eye into some of the most significant things that we experienced after the loss of our daughters and having our world literally turned upside down. Well, first of all, Becky, I just can't imagine anything more heart-wrenching than experiencing the loss of a child. I'm, I'm so sorry that that's something that you are living with on a day-to-day basis. And I, I think it's incredible that you are using your experience to do what the Savior did and show empathy and understanding and outreach to others who have experienced also losing children. So you can be there for them because it's a very, it's a very sacred club at the losing a child. And, and I have dear friends who have lost children to cancer and SIDS and other things. And they're like, you just don't know. Like, of course you appreciate every sincere act of love and every condolence you receive, but unless you've experienced it, you, you just, you don't know. And so I think it's amazing that instead of, you know, doing what I do and going into a hole, and I'm sure that there was a time where you did that too and said, I can't function, I can't imagine, but also like, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to go do this and relive this and write about this. I mean, that, that writing shares a part of your soul that nothing else does. Like music and writing and using your voice to is extremely vulnerable. And I think that's amazing that you were able to do that. Have you been able to give firesides or conferences or talk about this as well? Yeah. So our first, Tim and I do it together and then also separately, but I've had, and we've had the opportunity to do many firesides. We've been able to do youth groups and things like that. I've been able to speak at schools about like suicide and like, how do you deal with these hard, heavy emotions? And is it going to always be there or is there light? Is there something that we can do? And so it's been, like I said, it's very humbling to be a tool and be able to be a resource for, for others who are going through hard things because it's, it's not comfortable. It's, it's very, very vulnerable to, to share those parts of your soul. Like you mentioned, like the things that come through in writing and music and, and the things that are just those things that we hide inside, right? Most, we all have them, right? But But to have the ability to share that and have the skills to be able to share that in a way that helps other people, it's something I'm grateful for. It's like I said, it's hard. But at the end of the day, I've, I've asked myself many times, like, it's going to be hard regardless, right? It's going to be hard for me regardless. So if I can share something that helps another person, at least it makes it a little bit better, right? There's something, some good that can come out of this situation. So that's sort of how I like approach things. That's so admirable, honestly. After after this happened, how long did it, it did it take? If there are people listening that maybe have 
lost a loved one and that maybe are still in that really raw vulnerable stage where you're like, I just can't imagine going on with life. How, how long did it take before you were able to just do normal things like get up and take a shower and go on with your day? Like how I'm, and there might not even be a time frame, but was there a time where you're like, okay, this, my burden is, is lifted a little bit. Things are getting easier. I guess, how did you rely on the savior to help you through that time? And, and did things eventually become a little bit more manageable? Well, I can say that I, I have seen and felt his hand since day one. Going through something like that, there was absolutely no way for me to do it on my own. My biggest win was probably, I don't know, four or five days after the funeral. So about a week and a half after where I was actually able to order takeout. Like the, the amount of emotions that literally take up space in your brain, I thought I was, I thought I had lost myself completely. Like, I can't even yeah. order take what the heck is going on, right? Yeah. But I remember distinctly like being able to get pick up my phone and like log on, look at a menu and order food and have it like be able to go drive to pick it up and how amazing that felt. And it was more like just kind of moments like that that started peppering through. It wasn't like this, okay, I'm better. There's still some days that are like, oh my gosh, can I actually function today? And and so I think that it's it's just a a tender mercy of our Father in Heaven that He He gives us what He knows we can take, even though we may not feel like it. He's like, I know you can do this, right? And so He gives us that stretch, but then the relief, and then that stretch, and then that relief. That's how I experienced it through through our journey since day one, right? I don't think I can look out the window today. And then the question that kept popping up into my head is, but what if you could, right? I don't think that I can go to the store today because I'm driving down the same street but what if you could, right? Those kinds of things and just being able to feel the Holy Ghost and be able to listen to the promptings and the comfort and the guidance was huge. And it's something that I rely upon every single day, even now, because it wasn't like, there is no timeline, I guess. There is no timeline that in three weeks, you're going to feel this way. I kept searching for one, like, okay, it's been a month. All right, it's been three months. All right, it's been a year. I should be back to normal. But the reality of it is, is there isn't a normal, like you don't get to go back to what it was. It's building new. And for us, that was definitely relying on our, our Father in Heaven, our Savior, and our faith, and listening to those promptings and, and testing, right? And trusting, having faith that, you know, the sun went down today, it's going to come up tomorrow. That means what I'm feeling right now isn't going to last forever, right? It has to end at some point. It may not feel like it, but if I can trust, right, it will. And then just building upon those experiences, I could order takeout today. That means <laughs> that maybe I can actually, you know, maybe next week cook in my kitchen and not be like hit with the grief of not making a meal for my daughters. You know what I mean? Like all of those things. There's been a ton of tender mercies. There's tons of silver linings to what we've experienced. And it's all there with the Lord's help. Your testimony is so powerful and so beautiful. And so this, you said this happened in 2020? 2020, mate. It was the day after Mother's Day in 2020. So we're the coming coming up on on three years so do you do you have a, a, how many children do you have I don't have any anymore in my home so I have a stepdaughter who's our oldest and then my daughters McKinsley and Alexia were both swept away and so my family was literally like cut in half and so it's just Tim and I now we went from a young family to empty nesters overnight literally and it's been a transition for sure well Becky I I feel so bad for <laughs> it 
talking to you about, you know, what's it like to be an entrepreneur with kids at home? And you just so grac- graciously answered my questions and didn't even say, well, thanks. I don't have any at home now. You know, you were, you're so kind. I, I wish this would have been the first question that I asked you and that we could have talked about this first because you're just so sweet and so kind and loving. And I don't know. I, I just admire you so much. And, and I think that there are for sure people that, that are listening or that have been through really awful, tragic things in life that would agree that there's no way that they could have done it without the Savior's help. What does that look like for you, having His help? Does that mean spending more time in prayer? Does that mean reading the scriptures? Does that mean going out in nature? If, if someone is listening and they're like, I don't even know how to use the atonement to heal me. How do you even access that after something like that? So it's, it's been an evolutionary thing. Like my husband and I have always, you know, had it, not always, I can't say always, but we've, we've definitely worked on our testimony and our faith. Since the accident, I remember like one distinct thing for me that really shifted is I would pray because that was what we did, right? But the quality of my prayers has changed. So instead of just whipping one out or listening to somebody pray and just having my mind water, wander and like doing these, these thinking about my schedule for the day, right? I'll just be honest. It really caused me to, to pause and to think of my father in heaven more like he was sitting next to me, like that I had that intimate conversation with him and then being still enough to listen. And so I found we definitely. We definitely kind of cloistered in a little bit. We avoided things that were super loud and like chaotic. We did find ourselves in nature. Like our story has a lot of like nuances to it. And so like nature was both healing, but also, you know, has a lot of like triggers and things that attach to it. And so, sure. Yeah. And so it was really like becoming more thoughtful and kind of like pulling in and limiting distractions. Like I couldn't listen to the radio. We couldn't watch TV. Like all of these things that we used to do for distractions were no longer there. And so we did find ourselves praying more. We did find ourselves seeking out talks, podcasts, and listening to the scriptures, those kinds of things. And being in places where it was calm enough and peaceful enough that we could heal the spirit, temples were closed. And so we didn't have the ability to go to the temple. And so we thought, oh my goodness, our best to make our home that same type of atmosphere. We were very selective about who we allowed into our home and, you know, what, what was going on inside because we needed it. Like that was something that we craved. And, and we knew that, you know, the moment we stepped outside, our senses, whether we wanted it or not, were hit with all sorts of stuff, right? The kids down the street playing, you know, just, just all the thing. And so for us, it was really just taking that step back and, and, and doing our best to find things that helped us connect to the bigger purpose of this life. So the books that we read, the scriptures, our prayers and things were all centered upon the plan, not just our earthly existence, because that part of our life is important, but had drastically shifted. And so we yeah. needed to know like, what else is there, right? Our testimony grew on the plan of salvation and, and that this is part of our journey, but it isn't the destination. It's just part of the, the way that we work through things. And, and that was really for us. So yes, we spent time out in nature. We did our best to limit distractions. We focused in on things that were really, really important. So all of the extra stuff that we thought that mattered, like it started to pale in comparison. And, you know, just coming from that place of just true, intentional, humble 
like, please help me, Father in heaven. And just having that more intimate relationship with him in everything that we did. And that's been a, a carryover. And it's been interesting too. like, it was almost like we were in a bubble for the first, I don't know, 90 days or so. Like yeah. there was different quality in our home, like almost tangible. And as time and space, right, as we, as we moved through things and we got distance on it, that's where, again, we got stretched. And the Lord allowed us to go through harder things and still supported us in it. But it was those behaviors that we, that we you know, built in the beginning of sincere prayer and listening to the promptings of the Holy Ghost and trusting, right? Asking the question, but what if I can? And, and following those things step by step by step that has allowed us to be where we are today. I love that statement or that question of, but what if I can? I mean, that, that's so empowering. And there might be days where, where you can't, and that's okay too. But that question of, but what if I can? Have you found that you have received strength beyond your own? That, that if you did say, but what if I can? You were strong enough to meet that challenge and you were actually able to do it. Yeah, absolutely. And it's, it's not like, this big thing, right? Yeah. Like, I don't even know what I, I'm hungry, but I don't even know that I can go to the store today. But what yeah. if, right? It was almost as if I had somebody's hand in my own as I got in the car and I drove that familiar route to the familiar place to get the things that I needed, right? Just something like that. It's like, yeah, you went to the store, whoop to do That's a big deal for people who are dealing with like hard things. And most of those feelings on the inside are, People don't see. They don't see the fear, the concern, the worry that is just bubbling underneath the surface. And so something as simple as going to the store for someone may be no big deal, but for somebody else, that may be like revolutionary in their world. And I absolutely have received strength and continue to receive strength beyond my own. Swept away writing the book. I did not write that on my own. There's no way. That is amazing. Oh, that is amazing, Becky. What are some of the experiences you had in writing that book where you felt like you had help from the other side? For the fact that I was able to put down my computer. <laughs> yeah, right. Because it started out as like, I had to set a timer, 15 minute timers. You can sit there and you stay for 15 minutes. And if you write one word, that's, and typically that was enough to kind of just prime a little bit. And I was able to get some out. And then there was days that it was going and I was able to describe my girl's personalities. Like it's not, it's very interesting because it is a hard story, but it was very much an opportunity for people to get to know our family, our girls, their personalities. I've heard from people who've read it that like, I laugh and cry at the same time because it's like, you see the thing, you get to experience it. And so the ability to get into that level of detail, to get into the heart and like just our little pod, I call it like our little, our thing. And to be able to articulate in a way where people could visually see and feel the transition no way that i could do that on my own i lived it yes but to be able to go to that place and to be able to pull it out and put it on paper and then put it out for the world to read right that itself you know the, the encouragements the promptings the pokings of the holy ghost like you can do this you know you can and when i wrote it and i was on my computer i'm like hey i did it <laughs> i'm done now right i wrote it and then it was that next step of now you need to publish it, right? That next step. So each each and every time, each and every time I'm asked to speak, each and every time we're asked to be on a podcast, there's that little pull like, oh, can you do it today? Is that something that you can do? And then there's that little nudge like you've done it before. You know I'm here. 
You put my trust in me. You know I'm not going to let you fall. You've been through the worst thing that you could ever imagine being through and you're still standing. What makes you think that this challenge is going to be any harder or any different than that? Have I not, through eons of time, supported my people when they needed it? Doesn't mean that the world is going to go away, but I'm going to help you through it so you can learn what you need to learn from it and help other people in your way. Ah, oh, that is so beautiful and and so comforting that we can know that there is a savior that does know us so intimately, that knows what we're going through, and that was there to welcome your daughter's home, that they're with him. I mean, no safer place to be. A, a horrible circumstance of getting there, but that's where they are. And to know that, okay, you can help me through it and I will be with my daughters again and I will see them again. Like that is why I cling so tightly to the doctrines of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints in this gospel because I think, how could you get through this life knowing and that was it, you know, and not knowing, oh, but like you said earlier, this life is teeny tiny there's this eternal perspective and plan that will go on and on and and this is mortality and it can be devastatingly hard but it doesn't last forever we will move on and progress we will be with our families forever like oh doesn't doesn't that just give you so much hope like okay that's what i get to look forward to after this and it, it puts into perspective like the level of pain that I feel that I like I can't handle this. We yes. are promised that it will that what we are going to be rewarded with, that we're gonna be compensated with on the other side, is going to be so much more than we can even comprehend. And so it allows me to kind of tap in a little bit to the hope that it's going to be as much joy times ten than I'm feeling sorrow now. And so that does give me hope. It does give me peace to know that my girls are safe. I don't have to worry about them. Right? Yes. It's a matter of being patient until it's time to be reunited and to do the work that I need to do here, right? Because yes. it's still their time to go. It's not my time. And so there's obviously purpose in that as well. And the plan of salvation is one of happiness. Despite the struggles that we go through, there are silver linings. There's hope. There is joy that can be found. And it is something that is very very near and dear to my heart to know that I have that promise. It's not long. It's just on pause for a minute. It's on pause. That I love that. It's not lost. It's just on pause. And you've been able to now focus on, like you said, through through your business and and writing your book and giving firesides and speaking to other people. You've been able to focus on spreading so much good in this world and focus on how can I make this a better place while I'm here because you are here and the Lord does need you. So I'd like to ask you two things as we wrap up. First of all, I would love for you to tell us, I've heard from some of my friends that have lost their children. They're like, I just, I want to keep talking about them because I don't, I don't want to forget the little things, their favorite candies and what they used to wear to bed, that horrible shirt they'd wear every night to bed, you know, all the little things that they're like, I don't want to forget. So if you wouldn't mind, Becky, I'd love for you to share with us one or two things that you love and remember about your daughters that you're like, oh, this is something, a memory that I hold that I want to share. And then how have you how do you see yourself using your talents and abilities 
to do good moving on, you know, in the years to come through either your business or your book? What do you feel like, oh yeah, this is now what I see my purpose as. So sweet memory of your girls and then being able to be an instrument in the Lord's hands moving forward in your life. Memories about my girls are so many. So my little Kinsley, she, she to me will always be the epitome of what Christ-like love is. She was the girl who went to school and made friends with everybody and took care of them. And we constantly got notes in the mail saying how great she did with this, that, and the other. And also the fact that she had her own style. That girl, like, I let her do her thing with getting dressed. And she loves skirts with leggings underneath. And her top that I'm like, mm, that might not match really well. But for her, <laughs> she loved it. And, and even today, like, that's something that our entire family, not just me, that's just her. Like, she owned who she was from the moment she entered this world until the, one, the moment she left. She was Kinsley. She loved people. And she walked her own path with grace and kindness and love. Ellie, my little spitfire, <laughs> she was three. And a little redhead, she loves sunglasses, loved dressing up. So every time I see a kid in sunglasses and just that little smirk, she loved music and dancing as well. And every time she had sour cream, we call it whipped cream. And she was notorious for eating just the frosting and not the rest. <laughs> and the moment she was done with it, she'd be like, I don't like it. I don't like it anymore. So those are some of my my sweetest memories of, of those girls. It's just just who they were. They they were definitely special souls. And at the beginning, I thought like, well, that's just mom talking, right? Because we always think our kids are amazing. No. But I've heard from other people, it's like very interesting to hear the impact that your kids, even at such a young age, make on other people. And I can't help but be grateful that I had such special souls in my life right now and that I get to have them in the future. And as far as like where I see, you know, things for me moving forward is continue to share because it is something that it's important for people to understand that life is hard, but it doesn't have to stay. Like you don't have to focus just on the hard things. There is light and hope. There is something more for you, even though right now you may be feeling like there's just no way I can. I promise you, you can in time. And and so being able to share a message of hope and that you don't have to be shackled by the things that are, are hard in your life. If you turn your heart and your, your, your will over to the Lord, He can work miracles. And there are ways that you can tap into that. If you're struggling with your faith, He's still there for you. He still loves you. He still wants to help. And it's what we choose to do that allows us to either tap into that or, and gain that assistance. Or if we're in our struggle, you know, there can be lessons learned there and it can be beautiful despite what you may be going through now. Oh, I love that so much. Becky, where can people go to either purchase a book that you wrote? Your It's called Swept Away. Is that is that the type of book? Yeah. Where can they go to, to read that or have you come speak to them or possibly get help with their businesses through all the amazing things that you and Tim are doing? Yeah, so for the book, you can go to swepedawaytruestory.com. That will link you directly to where you can get it. As far as if speaking engagements or having a dialogue about support from Tim and I, you just can email me at Becky at Tim and Becky Those are probably the most effective ways to get a hold of us. You can okay. follow social media without all the social media things as well. But yes, so what are your social media tags? So it's Tim and Becky Graff on Instagram and Facebook and then Becky Graff on both as well. Okay, awesome. Fantastic. Well, Becky, thank you so much for coming on the podcast today, for sharing 
your incredible story with us and for all the good that you are doing. Carmen Herbert, and I'm so excited to tell you about an amazing app that my whole family loves. It's called Our Turtle House, and it's full of literally thousands of hours of full-length talks, just like the old talk on CDs or talk on tapes, from some of your favorite Latter-day Saint speakers like John By the Way, Mick Johnson, Hank Smith, me, and a ton more. Plus, there's podcasts, firesides, devotionals, come follow me resources, and entertaining content your whole family will enjoy truly all in one little app and you can use promo code doing good all one word at checkout and you get a full month free so check it out and sign up at ourturtlehouse.com see you soon